Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. Northern Ireland nil, Bulgaria nil. Um, I think I said before this that if we don't get a win tonight, our hopes of qualifying for the World Cup in 2022 are over. I stand by it. I can't see it. Um, it's one of these podcasts where there will be some of you have tuned in to hear positives and will want to hear that, will want us to cheer you up. And there are other people who will switch off straight away if we say anything positive about that. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to do, and we've just settled that we're just going to be as honest as we can, uh, which is what we always do in this podcast. Uh, my name's Andy Bell, and joining me tonight, as ever, I have Peter Baker. Pete, <laughs> it's a solemn face I can see there in the top left-hand corner of my computer screen. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I was enjoying the game at the start, and then the longer it went on, I thought, this isn't happening. Uh, the changes didn't help. And yeah, I think probably in the same camp as you, that could be qualification hopes over really before it's got going, which is sad to say. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, it certainly could be the case. But first positive is uh, that we've got Lauren McCann on for the first time tonight. So Lauren, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners quickly and tell us how you're, you're kind of feeling after, after that? Um, yeah, so thanks for having me on. I'm Laura McCann. I'm a student at Queen's and a Northern Ireland and Cliftonville fan. Quite a strange mix, I know, but <laughs> hey-ho. <laughs> um, yeah, as Pete said, you know, as it went on, it just you just kind of realised, no, this isn't going to happen. You were waiting and waiting just for that one chance and I kind of fell at the end and begin with that one. But, you know, there was a spell in the first half. I kind of thought we really need to capitalise now around the 20-minute mark with Dallas hitting the bar and all and then came out of the blocks flying in the second half. But, again, didn't really create that real clear-cut opportunity. So it was just really disappointing. And as the same as you guys, I'm in the same boat. Like, qualification hopes are just kind of down the drain now. Yeah, um, well, good to have you on anyway, and at least two, pe- at least two people in this podcast going into Queens. But uh, Pete, <laughs> <laughs> not a bad performance overall, really, was it? And um, that's the first kind of positive. But we've been saying that over, um, we've been saying that over the last the last kind of ten games, really. Um, my issue with it is that you see that performance under Michael O'Neill, you see that the way that game goes. I'm thinking, you know, late goals against Belarus, for example, home and away, late goal away to Estonia. But the difference under Michael O'Neill is we get the result, we find a way, uh, and under Barakoff, we're not finding a way. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right there. As the game was going on, I was kept on thinking back to Belarus. It's like, we're going to get a goal, keep chipping away at them, they'll break down and lose concentration at one point. That just didn't happen. You know, we were calling in the last podcast, just win at all costs, win ugly. Um, do whatever you can and we just it's just really disappointing because the last few performances we've played well and we're just not getting over the line that's the annoying thing you know if, if everyone was rubbish tonight um, you could almost accept it could, yeah I, I'm just so frustrated tonight it's really, it's really difficult to find a lot of positives from it Um yeah, we, we just need to find a way to get over the line, which is, I mean, you can't coach that. It doesn't matter what personnel you put out in the pitch. Maybe it's an attitude thing. Maybe it's a belief thing. Um, we just seem to be lacking that at the minute. Yeah, Lauren, I was reading recently uh, about, I think, Marcelo Bielsa. His famous quote is, there's five different ways you win a football match. I think it's being 
being quicker, being fitter, um, having a better attitude, wanting it more, being better technically. And the last one he always says is pure luck. Uh, and it does seem like pure luck at the minute is, uh, is costing us. But when, when you seem to be getting unlucky over and over and over again, then that, the mathematics of that don't really work. We're in a sample size of 10 now, 10 games. Um, we have, apart from the Bosnia game, we, we haven't had much luck. Whereas under Michael O'Neill, we do get those late goals. Um, and we never really had a, a result like that. Um, what do you put it down to? I mean, certainly the, the, the struggle to score. We all know the problems Northern Ireland have in the goal scoring front. Um, but yeah, as I say, we, we find a way around that under Michael, whether it was via set pieces, which for me have been a problem under Barclough. Uh, whether it was you know McGuinness coming off the bench or whatever it is, um, what do you think's uh, what do you think's gone wrong? Do you think it is just uh, that nothing's fallen for us? Yeah, that, at the minute I think that's the case. I mean, obviously Peter was saying you know the subs didn't help tonight, as we were talking beforehand. Maybe introducing the likes of Charles, you know, just there was nothing to lose, and you know coming in the last twenty minutes when all we're doing we're playing in their half and we're just pumping balls into the box, you know, and I think drops for him a striker to inform at his club. You'd really fancy him to get on the end, put one of them away, and yeah, it's just. You, you just struggle because we do we do play well and we have been playing well in recent games and it is the the rub of the green just isn't coming at the minute and that is the most frustrating thing you know defensively tonight we were sound there was no problems and then he kind of switches the system and it kind of hindered us a bit you know I thought Jamal Lewis had a great game but whenever yeah. they kind of the move to the four three three I thought he was kind of restricted a bit because he was kind of left further back um. But yeah, I just, it's just no words. You just, like they're struggling to score goals. They're just struggling to find the words to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's struggling more, us or them. Um, <laughs> Pete, it's, yeah, Lauren's absolutely right to mention Jamal Lewis. So there is a positive. And um, I thought Jamal Lewis had his, certainly his best game in a while for Northern Ireland. Uh, up there with the best, his best game in a Northern Ireland shirt. Um, he was positive, I think. You know, a lot of people have said at club level because he's playing under a manager like Steve Bruce, who we all know he's uh, he's conservative, he's defensive. Um, Newcastle don't play a particularly expansive brand of football, um, and you see Jamal Jamal Lewis kind of turning inside and passing inside quite a lot rather than beating his mags. We know he's got this incredible pace and and he's got a good delivery on him. And I felt he was told to do that tonight, which which I want to see more of in the Northern Ireland shirt. That's Jamal Lewis I saw come into the Northern Ireland side, burst onto the scene. If you can do that as a fullback, certainly Michael Richards thinks you can. <laughs> um, that's about the fourth time he's been mentioned on this. But yeah, that, that's what we, that is what we saw from him tonight. And um, I think there's an element of confidence about it um, in the sense that, you know, turning inside, taking the easy route, there's definitely an element of confidence in that. But there's certainly an element of instruction as well. And he really impressed me tonight. Yeah, he was brilliant. I think everyone watching will agree. He in my opinion, was by far the most dangerous player. Uh, and that was, you know, part, partly to do with the system, I'm sure. By, by being at wing-back, he was able to get up the pitch a bit more. And he was, like you say, he was probably told beforehand to get up their defenders because, you know, let's not beat around the bush. They were a bit rubbish. Yeah. You know, there was a real opportunity there and he, he looked out the bit between the teeth. Um do you agree with Lauren that the system kind of hindered him? I certainly felt that. I didn't think we got the best out of the two of them. Maybe Barclough thought that, you know, because we had so much of the ball, they would pretty much hold the same positions, but it didn't seem to be the case. As in when we changed to the yeah. fourth back? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
that makes no sense. Why, why are you bringing our most creative player further back from the opposite or bringing them closer to our goal? You know, I'm, I'm by no means a footballing, football tactician, but... I beg to differ. You know, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it sure doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Why? Yeah. Just bizarre. Yeah. He, he was the one putting in the dangerous crosses, creating the chances. Why risk stopping that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Lauren, the system wasn't the problem. The system wasn't the problem. We we're creating enough chances. Um, I haven't seen, I don't know if there exist expected goal stats for the Ireland games. <laughs> But if there was, we probably would probably show us one or two goals up on them. We created enough, I'd say. I mean, we didn't create an awful lot, but I'd say we probably did just about enough to get a one nil win there. Um, and the system, it, the system was it was working. We were able to create chances. Lewis and Dallas were more or less playing as wingers, so we're certainly more wing than back. Um, and when it changes, I mean, Kennedy comes on and does okay. Uh, I think McGinn. I understand. I completely get the logic behind McGinn coming on as well. Uh, but to play in a front two, not to kind of go under the wing. Um, it was a strange one. Uh, maybe Barclough lost the head a little bit with that one. What do you think? Yeah, like I completely get the move, you know, taking Ballard off and, you know, there's no, there was no need for three centre-backs the way that we were playing. But again, you know, as you said, um, putting Lewis back and kind of restricting Dallas a bit just didn't work at all. They were the most dangerous players throughout. And I do get the logic because Kennedy, I thought, did put in some impressive crosses as well when he came on. But, you know, it just, it definitely wasn't the problem. And I thought we were getting a lot of joy down the left-hand side with Jamal just constantly bombing forward. And, you know, that's why I do like a three at the back when you play a three and then wing-backs are definitely wing backs you know obviously when we go away from home it's more of a five mm-hmm. but tonight you know they really had the two pushing on I thought it worked really well but then you know I think more of the problems were through the middle you know Saville did do all right and Davis and McNair as well but the game just kind of bypassed them there wasn't really that sort of creative spark in the middle playing the balls in it was more crosses from out wide and then we didn't really even runners from midfield weren't able to get on the end of them. Yeah, that's a fair point Lauren makes, uh, Pete, actually, about the, the midfield, because individually I thought the three of them did well. I thought Saville had good moments. I thought McNair, you just, saw, you just see his attacking quality, his quality on the ball, um, you know, drawing free kicks, whatever it is. I thought his set-piece delivery was massively improved tonight, uh, and Davis' Davis, he'll always give us those performances. But as a, as a three, it really didn't feel like they had too much of an impact on the game. Uh, yes, they had a lot of the ball, um, but it certainly felt that our creativity was coming from the wingers are from Lewis and Dallas or, uh, you know, find the ball in behind. White was coming very deep. Uh, he was busy, but is it really a game for Gavin White when they're, you know, three, six foot seven center halves? Um, you're not going to get any space in behind. Uh, it was difficult. I mean, what did, what were your thoughts on the midfield? Tonight? I know you wanted to see Saville. Um, that's three yellow cards in three games. So he's definitely listened to the passive comment, but uh yeah, uh, well, I mean, how did, how did you think it kind of functioned? Did you feel like there could have been a change? Maybe bring in McCann? A, t- a couple of people have um, made the argument for Thompson coming on. Do you, do you think either of those would have made a difference? I mean, possibly. It's difficult to say. I think it was a night where most of our joy was coming down the wings. And it was probably more of a, a case of the midfield get the ball and try and get a decent ball out of the wings as fast as possible. And I think they did that. And after they get the pass away, try and get in the box and get in, get on the end of a cross. So, I mean, I think they did reasonably well. You know, we controlled the game. 
largely the better team. Um, had the lion's share of possession, and you know we completely dominated Bulgaria. So that aspect they played well. Um, yeah, I, struggling to see how it could have really been improved. I mean, maybe bring on McCann or Thompson for Savile uh, at the 60-minute mark when he looked a bit leggy. Um, but I'm not sure how much more that would have added. Maybe, yeah. You know, I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hindsight at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't think it would have made a huge difference. Bottom line, no, no, and, that, and that's fair. And I, I thought, you know, the composition of the midfield, which I've criticised in the past, Salvo McNair. I, you know, I've sometimes said I don't think they can play in the same midfield, but um, tonight it seemed to it seemed to function okay. I'm not sure. It's it's a difficult for them because they were set up in such a strange, not even a strange way, but it wasn't like your typical park in the bus. So we're able to like press and squeeze us in difficult areas, and we yeah. never really seemed comfortable on the ball, like you see with a lot of nations come to Windsor who park the bus where you've just got all the ball and you can't break them down. Whereas it was a little bit different to that tonight for me. And uh, another positive, I guess, Lauren is, is Ballard. I thought he, he, he didn't put a foot wrong uh, as usual. He's somebody who Barraclough has given his debut to only, only what, four or five months ago in the nations against Romania. And he's gone from strength to strength from there. And I think because we've seen such uh, an incredible, such an incredible set of performances from Ballard so early on in his Northern Ireland career, um, I think sometimes we can think it's like a no-brainer to throw him in, but that was kind of a big decision to put him in tonight. It's a massive World Cup qualifier. We know he kind of likes to play on the edge. I think that's fair to say with Ballard. And, uh, and you know, the safer option is maybe to put McNair in there. Gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of changing the shape. means you don't need to make a sub. You just throw McNair into the midfield. Um, but he's, he's, he's certainly been a massive positive over what has been a fairly bleak six months for Northern Irish football. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that's one of the positive things of Ian Barclough's tenure, you know, that he's given him the opportunity to come in and he's really shown when he has been given the chance. You know, I thought his passing out from the back as well was quite good today. You know, we had a lot of the ball. Um, he was one of the centre-backs that, you know, really kind of strode out with possession. And yeah, you know, defensively, he's so sound that put a foot wrong put a foot wrong and he's just so strong in the tackle. So I definitely think, you know, when the likes of maybe Johnny or... Craig move on or if we go to a fourth the back he definitely has to be one of the starting centre-backs yeah yeah I think that's completely fair and he, he just has been so impressive I, I really love watching him play he's like a, he's a he's, he's great to watch as a centre-back he's entertaining to watch as a centre-back which <laughs> you don't really get to say uh, with that position a lot um one thing I, th- I think we should mention because we did have a bit of a chat about the goalkeeper situation Pete was uh um is, is Peacock Farrell safe at the end because it's a point because we're all very disappointed with the point will probably rule out the fact that he has actually won us a point there. Uh, it's a really, really good save. It's a really awkward position for him. Like, it's it's not right in the corner, which almost makes it a little bit more difficult from where he was positioned. And he gets the hand on it. But, you know, what was most impressive for me was he managed to turn it around the post. Um, and I thought tonight, he, you know, he didn't have a lot to do apart from that. But there was one moment where they had broken in behind and he was straight out and he was confident and he took the touch uh, and he popped it over the back and, and found McGuinness. And... You know, that shows character for a guy like that. You know, it would have been so easy. Nobody would have blamed him for that shot going in. Nobody would have blamed him for just putting the boot through it in that situation. Um, but he's come in tonight, and I think he's, he's answered some critics. And will it be a crucial point in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. Uh, but that's not his fault. He has to do his job. Yeah, you never know. It could be a crucial point. Let's hope so. Um, and, the, and the race for fourth. 
exactly. Left you in here fuming. Too painful to joke about finishing up Lithuania. No, yeah, I mean, fair, fair play to him. That save was class. I mean, very often if you see a shot like that, the keeper palms it into the top corner. They just nearly get there. And considering he had next to nothing to do the whole game, to be that alert and that focused, like in the 89th minute, um, pull off that save is just, you know, credit to him. I think he's, you know, he's justified his selection. People were maybe thinking about throwing Hazard in. Hazard, Hazard's lad. <laughs> Hazard in, uh, but I think he's you know he's justified why he's in the team still. Also, the I'm mean, also was that Bulgaria's only corner of the game. I think so. Yeah, I think oh, it was yeah, 11 nil at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, they yeah, they created more from a corner than we did from twelve. <laughs> yes. oh. Again. Too painful to joke about. Too painful to joke about, Lauren. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the kind of keeper situation because we did a bit on it post-USA, obviously. Um, does one save tonight change much? I don't know, but he, he comes in, he does well. So kind of give your thoughts on that, his, his, his character to come back from it. And do you think it's a situation? I mean, it's one comment I didn't read out uh, on the post-USA, cause I, I, I just didn't see it at the time, but I went back and looked at it the next morning. And somebody was saying, you know, keep Peacock Farrell in. Um, give them both a game in the June friendlies and then for September, pick on form. You know, if Hazard, I mean, I know Hazard has, or Hazard, as Pete says, has had, uh, <laughs> has, uh, has assigned a three-year contract at Celtic. So if he does become number one next season, I know Celtic have had a few problems in the goalkeeping situation, uh, in the goalkeeping position, sorry, this season. If Hazard is playing first team football for Celtic next year uh, and Peacock Farrell is still on the bench for Burnley, then there definitely is a conversation to be had. Um, where do you kind of stand on it? Do you... Have you seen much of Hazard? Do you read him? Uh, and do you think there's there's going to be a battle uh, on Bailey's hands for the number one shirt in the years to come? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a difficult one at the minute because, you know, Northern Ireland are blessed with keepers that are playing regular first-team football. Obviously, Connor's got his chance, you know, as an excellent football player as well. I'm always going to have to back him. <laughs> um, he's got his chance. He's has looked a bit dodgy up at Celtic, but, I mean, the back line in front of him doesn't really help as well up there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with that comment, you know, give them a game each in June, because obviously there's no doubt in Peacock Farrell is a really good goalkeeper. And obviously, he's, as you've said in previous podcasts, he's credit in the bank, you know, to allow him a few more games. And the mistakes the other night, you know, they were really disappointing, but he did bounce back well. And I think if he can get to the summer and then get a move out and loan because, you know, it's crucial that he does that or else there really will be a fight in his hands. I think for the minute, he still just does edge it, in my opinion. Um, I know Hazard was all right against the USA, but even, you know, some of the ones he caught, he kind of spilt them and gives you that wee heart attack moment <laughs> that's really not needed. So I'm still sticking with Peacock Farrell at the minute, but, you know, regular football is a must for him. Yeah, I agree. I think Peacock Farrell is the better keeper, certainly right now. Um, they are ultimately both lacking a bit of match sharpness. Um, I mean, Hazard's been very up and down for Celtic. I've watched games, I think it was uh, was it Hibs? I think they drew with Hibs at home, one all, and he made a string of really good saves, but then ultimately messed it up for the goal, and that's what sticks in people's minds. And uh, you know, he's coming to an age now where confidence and, uh, and kind of being young isn't isn't gonna kind of be an excuse forever for him. So, you know, he's had some great times with Celtic. Won them the uh, won them the treble. Won them the Scottish Cup with the saves in the final. But again, was kind of shaky. So, yeah, it's it's one of those. I'd love to see Bailey get a um, get a loan next season. But realistically, are Burnley gonna let their second choice keeper go out on loan? 
Um, it just all seems like a strange move to me, as I said in the last podcast. Nick Pope's not exactly coming to the end of his tenure either. Um, it didn't make sense to me at the time. I wondered if there was something that they'd sold to him. Um, but ultimately, no, it doesn't It doesn't look like it. Um, let's go through some comments. And sometimes we go through the comments and they pick up on some things that we should talk about. So uh, Paul Arb- uh, Arbuthnot, I probably should, after I couldn't pronounce your surname on the last podcast, I definitely should have researched it. But um, again, apologies. A decent performance, which deserves so much more. Uh, we're sorely lacking in the final third. Uh, and we should have thrown Dion Charles on rather than Big Kyle. It was good to see Peacock Farrell redeem himself with that wonder save, though. Jimmy Williamson says, really, really, really needed the three points. Why have a 19-goal striker on the bench and not use him when we need a goal? Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a theme of Dion Charles coming through in these comments. Uh, Michael L 30 says, positives are at least our link-up play, mainly down the right. Second half was great and created some good chances. Lewis probably played his best Northern Ireland game to date. Negatives, finishing was poor again, and it's been a regular occurrence over the last year and a bit. <laughs> I'd extend that to the last century and a bit, Michael. Um, Peter McNeil, lost for words, crossing so poor, and I dread us getting corners. They were that bad. Yeah, it seems like we're more likely to concede for, on the break than actually um, put a decent delivery in at, at, at times. I mean, I thought the delivery was fine tonight, but um, you know, ultimately Bulgaria, it's what they do in training every week. Um, they're set up perfectly for those those type of situations. Uh, Caleb Moffat says John Charles definitely should have got at least a half. He's our biggest goal threat. David Mapstone, you'd think that type of match would have been perfect for Charles. Why did he not come on? McGinn could have started. Uh, only real bright spot was the restoration of Faith in Peacock Farrell. Uh, Scott Gray has gone a bit harsher. Shocking, pathetic, disgraceful. Those subs were absolutely baffling. It stunk of being happy to avoid defeat. I'm not sure that's what it was, but... It, I take the point. It's hard to find the logic behind them. Uh, Tommy Millen, not good enough. Peter Wilson says, nothing up top. Too easy to defend against. Um, let's see. We'll do one more. Ryan Chambers, poor result. Played well for the most part. Needs somebody to stick the ball in the net. Kyle has no impact on us now. Um, I thought the subs, other than that, made a good impact. No doubt Barrett will be made the scapegoat, uh, which I'm not sure, other than Kyle, what he did wrong. And that is true. Um, people are questioning Barraclough at the minute. Um, it's not something I'm particularly keen to discuss in the sense that I think, you know, he definitely should be given at least this campaign, maybe even the Nations League as well. Um, but that comment actually segues quite easily um, on the next part of the podcast. And that was Barraclough's first 10 games. Uh, and Lauren will come to you first on this. It's definitely been a bit of a mixed bag. The Nations League, listen, under Michael, it was bad as well. We're just cursed in the competition. I'm not particularly bothered in 2018, it could have got us a well. It did get us a playoff ultimately, um, but in for this one, you know, we needed to win our group, and and then we needed to hope that teams above us it dropped down. It was very complicated, and even if we'd won our group, it was it was going to be very difficult. So I wasn't too bothered about it, and I was happy that he he used it to kind of bring through the the young players. And then you've Bosnia, which is brilliant, and you've Slovakia, which is heartbreaking. I don't think Slovakia is on him, uh, and then you've these two World Cup qualifiers, which. Performances have been all right, but results haven't come. And I think that's the thing. Results haven't come. How do you assess how do you assess his first 10, 11 games if you include the friendly? Yeah, well, I think at the start it was a bit rocky, you know, obviously the Norway games as well. And when he kind of 
went with the four at the back. I just really didn't see it working. I think we were really, especially in Norway, you know, kind of led bar, we were exposed so badly defensively. And then I think the recent change to the 3-5-2 has really worked in our favour. Obviously, you could talk at length about our lack of goal scoring prowess, but I think that's going to happen in whatever system he opts to play. And as you've said, you know, bringing through the young players has been one of the bright sparks, but it's just been such a difficult time to come in as well. You know, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but, you know, his first few games, it comes when players are still in the middle of pre-season and, you know, the whole Nations League, it was just truncated anyway, like all those games in such a short space of time. And, you know, he has only been in since September. And obviously, you know, looking back at Michaels when he first came in, you know, <laughs> down in the doldrums and look what happened then so I, as you I agree with you you know he has to be given this campaign now even think the Nations League as you've previously discussed you know in a lower ranked group you know not saying we'll probably end up with Bulgaria and still <laughs> lose probably this time <laughs> um, but yeah I think he definitely needs to be given time and you know one of the key selling points was he had such a success with the under-21s and, you know, in the coming years, the likes of McCalmont and Galbraith will be ready, you know, coming into playing first-team football and they'll probably be considered. So, you know, maybe, obviously, it's not the same as, you know, club football. It's not his squad he's inherited. But, you know, in the years to come and the players he's already brought through, I definitely think he needs to be given time. I mean, I don't really know who else he'd bring in at this stage as well. Yeah, that's completely fair. And and Pete, on the comparison with Michael, there will be people who will be saying, you know, Michael O'Neill, first 14 games, we didn't get a win. Drew with Luxembourg, drew with Azerbaijan, got beat by Luxembourg away. It was it was absolutely dreadful. Um, and therefore, we'll have to give Barclough time based on just that um, because there can be a complete turnaround like Michael had. The other side of the coin is Michael inherited uh, a Nigel Worthington team, whereas Barclough's probably inherited the best team that we've had in our lifetimes, uh, I know it's an agent side. I know it probably wasn't as good as what it was two or three years before. So it's a difficult one to really judge on that. Um, I personally think no matter what, he should probably get this campaign unless it's a complete disaster. Um, but there will be people calling for his head. There's absolutely no doubt. So we have to discuss it. What are your thoughts? Um, I think Lauren made some really good points there. Um, I think we... It's you know off the back of a frustrating defeat. Uh, I think we need to be realistic in that. Say for example, they have a sacked Barraclough. You know who are we bringing in? Oh, yeah. Who are we bringing in? Who knows? Like who knows the uh, like the system we've got in place, the players we've got. You know, unless it's a goal scorer coming in to play up top, <laughs> you know, are our fortunes realistically going to change much? Probably not. Um, I suppose if you reflect on the start of O'Neill's tenure, it was pretty abysmal. However, going to the games, you could see he was really trying to change the style of play. You know, we were going from a long ball team with Worthington to a team that tried to play a bit more football. And that was taking time for the players to adjust. And I can see a similar sort of thing going on with Barclough. He's got an idea of how he wants us to play. And I suppose at the during the Nations League, our main aim was to beat Bosnia and try and qualify for the Euros. And we nearly did it. Mm-hmm. Just a poor performance let us start in the final, but we beat Bosnia. Um, so that is a major positive. 
probably the rest of the games were affected because of that. We were probably deflated off the feet or whatever. Um, in these recent games, you know, we've played pretty well. We've got a style of play. Um, I've actually been quite excited when we've had the ball. <laughs> you know, we've looked like we could create something. Uh, I seemed like he's favouring this 3-5-2 system uh, because it suits the personnel that we have. So I think, I think time is the, the key here. Um, as a small nation, we've got to be patient. And it probably success comes from continuity and giving the guy time. You yeah. know, nine months or however many months isn't enough for us. Yeah. We need to build a solid base and then go, you know, yeah. we can't split the qualify for every major tournament. And that's a mad thing because it has only been like, well, it's only been, yeah. yeah, it's been nine months since he's been in the job, but six months since he had his first game. And because we've like, we've had so many games, Lawrence, you say like the Nation League was so like um, pushed together, triple headers. And like, there's been so many games. Ultimately, he's had six months and, you know, playing so many games in a week, it doesn't make Galbraith or McCallum to develop any quicker. You know what I mean? They're still going to take a year or two uh, to come through. Um, so, it's one of those, and you mentioned two names there, Galbraith and McCalmont, and I agree with you, they probably are, it's probably as a campaign too early for them, but we maybe can look to the next Nations League to bring them through, and what he has done is he he, he has made Ballard and McCann from players that pretty much nobody knew anything about, unless you watched Blackpool or uh, St. Johnson. To make, he's made them full internationals, he's made them players who you can have a serious conversation about throwing into any game. McCann gets the Italy game, Ballard gets tonight, both do fairly well. And that's so encouraging for me. And you know, there are other players on the periphery that like Lavery, like uh, Jordan Thompson, who he worked with a lot. I know Thompson kind of was brought through a bit earlier, but do you think he just needs that time to 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 kind of bring through those extra extra players? You know, we know Steve Davis probably this might be his last campaign. I can see him probably retiring before the next Nations League. Johnny Evans, Craig Cathcart aren't getting any younger, although I still think they've a few more years left in them for us. And as Pete says, he has been tasked with bringing these players through and he needs to be given the time to do that. And if in two years' time, well, two years is maybe a bit long, if in a year and a half, a year's time, we're still not seeing anything change, then we do need to have a conversation about him. But I don't think the conversation needs to be had right now. No, and I think, you know, as Pete said, the performances recently have been good. You know, it's not as if the style of football isn't nice to watch. You know, in Italy, okay, the first half wasn't all that great but you know the second half we really came out and we were probably the better team and then American Sunday I know it was only a friendly but again overall apart from as you've said before the dubious penalty you know we were quite good so that's the thing you know if there wasn't signs that it is progressing and that things are okay you'd be a bit worried but you know it is just it just comes back to fundamentally needing the goal score and you know, it is encouraging to see him bringing Ballard, McCann and even Kieran Brown coming into the setup with he was really good as well. And then, you know, when you add in maybe Jordan Jones when he's fit again, you know, the kind of the backup 11 as you have it, you know, they are getting quite strong and they might come in and replace kind of the old guard going out. So, you know, I do think he still needs time and, you know, the friendlies coming up might be a good indication of what he's going to do going forward. You know, if he starts to play some of these younger players now and gives them the chance, so then they're bedded in for the next Nations League where it's like, right, we really need to have a good stab at this. Yeah, I think there's possibly an argument that, uh, you know, you say to him, 
for that Nations League. It's League C. You know, it's not going to be the easiest league in the world. It's not going to be walkovers. It's probably going to be teams like Bulgaria. But um, you could probably say to him, you know, you, look, you have to win this. You have to win this group or we have to ask serious problems. But until then, you know, he said such a hard draw in the, the last Nations League as well. Austria, um, brilliant side, very efficient. Norway were seeded lower than what they should be because they've only just discovered Holland and he's made such a massive difference. And Romania, even Romania as a bottom seed in the group, um, there were a lot, there were a lot easier op- opponents than them. Um, and just stick with you, Lauren, dead quick, because you mentioned something interesting there, which I always say in this podcast, I want to get your thoughts on it as well, is the second string side. So he's been tasked with, um, you know, this idea of triple headers. He can't play everyone in every game. We know Steve Davis can't do all three games. Johnny Evans has had his injury problems. You don't ideally want to throw him in. Um, and especially, you know, in March, um, midway through the most congested season of all time, you know, he has had to find a way for us not to get hammered with the second string side. And we did get hammered with the second string, stride, string side, even under Michael. And that was something I said. You know, we, we watched friendlies. I remember Croatia coming to Windsor um, with our second string and absolutely hammering us. There were other games like the South American Tour, Panama, Costa Rica were particularly dar performances. Um, but he has he has managed to create this side with, so, yeah, partially with players like McCann and, and Ballard that have come through, uh, but also with, you know, Flanagan and, and, and other players like this, Connor McLaughlin playing a, a new role. Um, and I've been very encouraged with some of those performances, especially games like Norway, like the USA, where I thought we'd get hammered and we haven't. Um, and that has to be a positive going forward because Northern Ireland need a big squad. We're not always going to have the first 11 fit. We're not always have, going to have the first 11 foreign. Yeah, you know, as well, um, the performance against America was so admirable because, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's America. But, you know, this generation is going to be a special one for America, yeah. the likes of players they have. And, you know, their quality, Bundesliga, Champions League, Premier League stars and ours is league one championship players do you know what I mean there is a big gulf but it wasn't that evident on Sunday and you know I think as well a lot of those players you know they do have to prove that they're worthy of the shirt and maybe that's the kind of added incentive and that produces the better performance because they are trying to push on and get into the first string um but yeah as you say it's such a small pool of players to pick from that they really do need to up their performances when they're called in and I think he's definitely improved with you know the backups that come in because if Ballard wasn't playing you know, there was people calling for Brian could come in you know um Michael Smith played well the other day when Lewis was out so there are options there okay they're not the greatest in the world but it is pretty like for like at the minute which you haven't had recently and even you know up front maybe give Dion Charles a chance Shane Lavery when he came in looked good if he can get his move back across the water he'd really be in contention for it so there is those positive signs and you know I definitely think that's one of his strong points so far and as you said it's all about time he's already been in the job like so mm-hmm. I definitely think he needs the nation's league yeah completely agree uh, and let's just wrap it up Pete talking about this group as a whole now you look at it Bulgaria or sorry uh, Italy and Switzerland both of six points apiece um, neither of them looked particularly in any danger of not picking up maximum points against Lithuania and against Bulgaria uh, in contrast to us who have obviously dropped points now, you know, I'm sh- I'm sitting here right now, and I said at the start of the podcast, I think we've all said qualification looks very, very slim in terms of qualification hopes right now. But we all know the next game six months away, and we're all going to be doing the maths, and we're all going to get ourselves delusional again. And by the time Lithuania comes around in September, we're all going to be thinking, well, if we can just get a win, 
Um, then you know, if one gets Switzerland to Windsor Park and rattle them, then it looks a lot different. Um, how, how do you see it? Have you got any optimism sitting there? Do you think right now it's uh, use these eight or however many games it is just to, just to kind of consolidate what he wants to do and take it up in 2024 where there's a very, very clear pathway compared to now? Um, do you think you're going to be excited for Lithuania in September or do you think it's what, we're going back to the days where we're like, we can't be bothered again? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it would be an issue of not being bothered about the game, but it's, it's very difficult to get yourself excited for a home match against Lithuania. <laughs> yeah. Let's I think just, we're away first, actually. I think we're in the first. I think so, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Starting then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Those 200 tickets we'll get. <laughs> it's, you know, that is a must win. Yeah. You know, that is a must We have to beat Lithuania. And, you know, if, if we do that, uh, I wouldn't rule out getting a bit more excited for those Switzerland coming to Windsor. Chance to get revenge. There's always that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of players will still hurt from that uh, uh, qualifier against them. Um, I think it's unlikely, but I could definitely see myself getting a bit carried away there. I, you know, we're also in a position where do we have anything really to lose? You know, it's unlikely yeah. we qualify. We've just got to go for it against Switzerland, try and get something. Yeah. If we beat, that is if we beat Lithuania. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's well, that is the thing. In Lithuania, um, Switzerland, we beat them one nil, and by all accounts, seem to struggle. They're look, they're a team, Lauren, who, who, are used to being underdogs in every single game, and um, they're used to defending. This is what they do. They're gonna pack the defense. They're gonna make us break them down, which is what we struggled to do. Um, you're looking at the mathematics of the group now, and we were saying, you know, even if we match Switzerland in the head-to-head, we think they're going to have the stronger goal difference. Now we're looking out thinking um, we might have to, you know, get a win and a draw at Switzerland. I'm not even sure if that would be enough right now. Even that assumes we're going to beat Bulgaria away and beat Lithuania home and away. You're in a situation where even if you get second in this group, you're in a semi-final for a playoff again, potentially against, you know, teams any team who hasn't finished top of their group that could be anyone you know spain have struggled um the netherlands are struggling norway teams like that oh there's going to be a very strong set of teams that come second in this group it's going to be a far stronger playoff pool than what we have in the euros because everyone in the top two for the euros qualified automatically um so even even if you get second qualification looks highly unlikely and second looks highly unlikely now as well now doesn't it yeah, it just seems the odds are just completely stacked against us to go through. But I know you were just kind of looking at Bulgaria and you're like, okay, I get the win here. And then, you know, Lithuania, Switzerland, that's a massive two games. Then if you get the wins there, then it's just kind of the confidence. It just keeps building and building. And now you're kind of at a point like, oh, that that wasn't really in the plan. So now we kind of go back to the drawing board. But I think Lithuania and Switzerland, you know, if praying to beat Lithuania by, you know, a margin, maybe 2-0, but we'll say that's a, that's a big win these days. Yeah, <laughs> record win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe the confidence <laughs> then going into Switzerland to kind of perks up a bit. And, you know, it's September time, you know, we've had a break. Maybe the optimism does come back because you're like, right, I've had so long out of that. And then just remember Switzerland as well. Obviously, you know, the need to get revenge. So, there is the optimism, but then when you think of the mathematics behind it, you kind of 
strip it back to the realist sense you are just like no it, it just doesn't seem to be the campaign we're just Qatar we're boycotting it anyway yes that's, that's what exactly <laughs> yeah man that's the thing I mean uh and fans back in the ground is the other point I guess and uh mm-hmm. you know I don't know I don't know how intimidating Vilnius is as a <laughs> as a place I don't know how their vaccine rollout's going but if we're in a situation where we're hoping that they're still socially distancing so we have an easier chance then we probably are in trouble but yeah hopefully by by September you'd like to think the way things are going we'll be able to have a full Windsor Park but um yeah I'm not I'm not kind of getting excited by anything at the minute just because I've had my heart broken and ripped all over and kicked everywhere so many times but listen we'll wrap it up there um really appreciate you guys coming on I know it wasn't the yeah, I mean, not everyone was putting their hand up for this one, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I know it's not the easiest thing to come on and talk about it after such a frustrating uh, night for Northern Ireland, but I do appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate everyone who has contributed to the podcast uh, over this international break. When will we be back? I don't know. Uh, we've friendlies in June. We'll definitely be back for those. Whether we'll do one in between, uh, I'm not quite sure. It will all depend on, uh, on whether something big happens, really. We're not just going to put something out for the sake of it, but um, thank you so much to everyone who has listened uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, I, I'll tell you when we'll be back. We'll be doing some for the women's playoff in a couple of weeks' time, but more news than that as we, um, as we sort of work out what we're doing. But, yeah, as I say, thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you are not following us already, follow us on Twitter at Spurda2016pod. Uh, we're always doing kind of updates on how the players are doing over there at the club level um, and a bit of debate as well, which is always good. Uh, dead quick before I forget, I always put the poll out for who was Northern Ireland's best player tonight. 72% say Jamal Lewis, 13% Stuart Dallas, 9% Paddy McNair, 6% Dan Ballard. Um, so Jamal Lewis certainly getting the back of the fans for this one, which is great because I thought he was fantastic. But uh, as I say, at Spurs 2016 pod for the Twitter. Um, and we'll see you again whenever we're back. Thanks very much for listening. And bye-bye. <laughs>